Hi, and welcome to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. I'm Karen Sullivan, the founder of Pretty Wellness, a two-time breast cancer survivor thriving with stage four disease, and author of the book, which is a cancer guide and journal for patients and caregivers that shares the same name as this podcast, Happiness Through Hardship. I'm also a girl who wishes on pennies. I try to see the good in everything, even when life is not so great. But sometimes it takes a little more. And this podcast will provide you with what worked well for me, success stories of people that have been through hard times, and simple suggestions that brought hope, resources, and connections. I hope you've been able to catch our recent episodes, including Talking Healthy Eating with Gorgeous Esther, the Integrative Dietitian, and an IVF stress reduction story with tons of healthy living tools with Kristen Hewitt from the Miami Heat Broadcasting Team and Miss Media. Now, if you like these episodes, please do me a favor, rate, review, and subscribe. Your efforts truly will help this podcast get noticed and help us inspire more people. And now, for this episode, I am so excited to introduce you to Amy Lee Amos, the founder of the Amos Institute, a company that helps people prevent and reverse cognitive decline using a functional medicine approach. Amy Lee shares how her grandmother's Alzheimer's disease motivated her to study integrative nutrition and use cutting-edge research to create interventions to help prevent Alzheimer's. This episode is filled with tons of resources and nuggets of nutrition information. So please, grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and let's get started. And welcome to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. I'm here today with Amy Lee Amos, the founder of the Amos Institute, a company that helps people prevent and reverse cognitive decline using a functional medicine approach. She's been trained by some of the world's highly acclaimed leaders, doctors, and Alzheimer's researchers, and is one of the only dietitians in the U.S. certified by the Institute for Functional Medicine. Now, for Amy Lee, it's personal. For 12 long years, she witnessed the suffering of her Nana battle Alzheimer's disease. Not only did this disease take the life of her grandmother, but also took a large emotional and financial toll on her entire family. Amy Lee understands what families experience, and she is fully committed to helping reverse this disease. At the Amos Institute, she incorporates cutting-edge, evidence-based scientific research with many holistic approaches. She's heard from so many people who worry that they will have the same fate as their relatives with Alzheimer's disease. Today, she will share her story and talk about various interventions that can help protect the brain and prevent the disease. Thank you so much for being here today, Amy Lee. How are you? I'm well. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Well, you are amazing. Just reading everything about what you've been through and what you've done with it. This is not only a story of finding happiness through hardship, but also making it better for future generations. And that's so near and dear to my heart as somebody who deals with, you know, cancer as a chronic illness. So thank you again for being here and for your work. And I want to just jump right in. Can you tell us how it all began and share your story with the listeners? Absolutely. Uh, you already mentioned my Nana, um, who I'd love to, to give a few details about. 
a piece of her story. Um, as you said, my name is Amy Lee, and I am named after my Nana, who was a beautiful, strong, loving woman. So her name was Amy Lee, two words, and her parents were Amy and Lee. Um, so I'm named after really three incredible people. Wow. And wow. so my, my great-grandmother, Amy, she died of Alzheimer's. And then my Nana, Amy Lee, also um, had Alzheimer's and, and died of the d disease. So this is something that my family has seen now for generations. Um, and from, with my Nana, I, I lived with her when I was growing up. Our whole family lived with her. Mm -hmm. And she and I actually shared a room together. And at night when we'd go to bed, she would tell me stories from her childhood. Um, she grew up during the Great Depression she had the most fascinating life and she was going to write a book um, about all of the things that happened to her in her childhood. And tragically she never got to because she got Alzheimer's disease and our family watched her slowly deteriorate for 12 years. And it was, it was devastating. Um, when she was diagnosed, we weren't given any options. She was given pharmaceutical therapy. So she was given the two uh, drugs that are very often prescribed by neurologists okay. when someone has cognitive decline. And our doctor, um, her neurologist, they, he knew that they did, wouldn't work. We knew that they wouldn't work, but that was the only option. So we went with it. So and can she I just, was basically, yeah, can I just jump in? they know it's not going to work, but then they give it anyway. What's the thought process with that? That's just all there is. And okay. so okay. it's, it's it, you know, I think the thought process is it's better than nothing. It might slow down the decline slightly. Okay. And that's the hope. Although I would argue, um, I'm not sure that's always a good thing. And certainly in her case, the fact that it, it dragged it out potentially for 12 years, that wasn't that wasn't in her best interest, certainly, um, because there was no option that was actually going to help her get better or at least even stall it where it was. If there had been pharmaceutical options like that, we would have been thrilled, but there was, there's just nothing like that. Um, which is, again, it's, it's not only is it, I'm sure unbelievably horrific for the person with Alzheimer's, but for the entire family to watch the loss of this person who's still with you is really beyond um, what I can describe. And as you said, you know, so many people have very similar stories. This is um, the most, the latest research that says that Alzheimer's is the third leading cause of death. So, so many people um, are, are, are dealing with very, very similar stories um, with the same sort of situation where they're given these drugs to go home and take, to know that they're not going to work and just watch their loved one fall into the abyss of this disease. Um, so she eventually passed away and that sparked my interest in studying the root causes and contributors of Alzheimer's. Um, and beyond that, it was appealing to me to to study this and to participate in the research um, and uh, really understand the existing research and um, be part of, you know, the ongoing research because I didn't want to see my mother, who would be the next in line, fall fate to the same disease. So I just, I needed to do something to make sure that 
um, she didn't go the same way because her mother had and her grandmother. And so I thought if there was anything I could do to learn about these root causes, the actual contributors, because the pharmaceuticals that they're prescribing don't target the root cause. They're targeting the, the major sign that we see, the hallmark of Alzheimer's, which is these amyloid plaques that build up in the brain. You hear a lot in the media about um, beta amyloid plaques or amyloid beta um, and how they accumulate into these plaques and tangles that contribute to the degeneration um, of, of the brain cells. But those plaques, that beta amyloid is there for a reason. And so that's really the focus that I wanted to look into. Why is this occurring in the first place? And the research that's come out in the last several years is absolutely incredible and so promising. And what I'm thrilled to share with your listeners is that there are options now for people who are facing what my Nana and our family faced so many years ago, where they're either just, just getting a diagnosis or they're, they've been diagnosed with something called mild cognitive impairment, which is kind of a step before you get to Alzheimer's. There are options. There are um, nutrition and lifestyle options, which are targeting the root causes and contributors of the disease. And we're able to see prevention and in some cases, as you mentioned, even reversal of the symptoms of Alzheimer's. Wow. I, I mean, I don't, honestly, as I said to you before, I don't know a ton about Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. I have a few friends that have been touched by it in their family. But what I do know is, like you said, is that it is devastating. And the thought that you might be able to prevent to some degree, is amazing to me. Can you talk a little bit about that? Is it at any point in your life? Is it upon diagnosis? What are you reading and seeing? Great question. So the research is showing, first of all, Alzheimer's, which used to be thought of as this idiopathic disease. We don't know why it occurs. It just happens. Um, A lot of the blame was placed on genetics uh, and other similar factors. We now know that Alzheimer's disease is a protective and programmed downsizing of the brain. So it's a response. The brain is responding to things like inflammation, withdrawal of trophic support and exposure to toxins. Those are kind of the three major classes that the brain is responding to and trying very hard to protect itself. So knowing that we can take action to address those those root causes. In terms of what we see and in practice and in the research to be the best time to intervene is before symptoms occur because someone is experiencing the the pathophysiology of Alzheimer's disease far before they're diagnosed with Alzheimer's. These these, um, um, all of these metabolic pathways are occurring decades before someone has symptoms of the symptoms we think of with Alzheimer's like memory loss. So really, this is something that we should all be doing uh, when we're in our 30s and our 40s, way before we we would think we're going to be at risk of Alzheimer's disease. Um, And in particular, someone who has 
genetic risk because genetics do play a part, even though they're not the they're not the entire picture. So someone who has the uh, genetic variants that put them at higher risk, they should be doing this as early as possible. And someone who has family history as well, because whether or not you carry um, these very common genetic risk factors, the mere fact that it's been in your family means you should be taking action before we ever see the problem in the hopes that then you never will experience symptoms. Now we published a paper in um, a couple years back, 2018, about a hundred patients who had shown reversal of cognitive decline following this functional medicine approach. And our research showed that the earlier we were able to intervene, the greater the results. So people who were experiencing this mild cognitive impairment um, and didn't yet have full-blown Alzheimer's, those were the people who tended to see really massive improvement. People who we were intervening really late in the disease, while we still were able to show improvements, they were more modest. So wow. as an example, um, we Alzheimer's generally is assessed using um, different types of cognitive assessments. One of them is called the Montreal Cognitive Assessment, and uh, the lowest score you can get on this is zero. So even in patients that we saw had a zero on this, this uh, assessment, this mental status exam, which would imply that they have um, their activities of daily living at that point are um, ha have been um, inhibited. They're not able to they're not able to live the way that they used to. They have huge memory deficits and other cognitive deficits. Even they showed improvements. So they were able to go from zero up. Um, they weren't able to go from zero to 30, which is a perfect score on this, on this assessment. But we were still able to show that um, they had these objective improvements as measured on these status exams. So incredibly promising to show that, you know, at if you're if you were listening to this and thinking, you know, someone in my family has Alzheimer's, I wonder if it's too late. It's not too late. It's really never too late. But the earlier we get going, the better. So, you know, if, if you were listening and thinking, well, you know, I, I or someone I love is a little bit more forgetful than I used to be, but I'm not sure that this is a huge problem. Now is the time to get going on this because you can see massive improvements if you catch it early. So as you say that, knowing that the older, the older generation, am I right by this or am I wrong that Alzheimer's mm -hmm. tends to hit an older generation than it does young in getting the disease? Or is yeah, that a so the, the, no, no, you're correct. The number one risk factor for Alzheimer's disease is age. Okay. So you're far more likely to get it the older you get. So where I'm going with this is, I know the older we are, the more set in we're in their in our ways. And have you seen with um, whether it's the patient or the caregiver and family that are approaching you, have you seen people not want to change their lifestyle, knowing that it might be too much of a change, or not necessarily believing yeah. that it will work? Definitely. I mean, I think the the biggest uh, the most helpful information you can give someone who's not sure it's going to work is to present them with the research. And luckily now we're at a point where um, a clinical trial is set to come out at any day now, um, like an actual um, clinical trial, which is um, 
the gold standard of research, yeah. which is really helpful. Whereas this 100 patient study I mentioned, that's anecdotal research, which still certainly has value, but um, is not the gold standard. So we're, we're getting closer. We're moving towards getting to a point where hopefully the greater medical community will take more notice of this as opposed to just the functional med- medical community, right. which is great. I think that that already has been helpful in showing people you know, we're, we're basing all of these interventions on real research, on real evidence. This isn't something that, um, you know, somebody just came up with and is, is trying to sell because, um, you know, just trying to, to make money or there are so many charlatans and, um, in medicine or in pseudo medicine, I should say. So having good solid research is a great way to kind of overcome that obstacle for people. But I, I will say that, you know, as a, I'm a registered dietitian. And so I've worked before I got into this um, and focused this, our company, the Amos Institute on Alzheimer's disease and cognitive decline. I've worked with many other disease states and I have been constantly surprised by the average person's ability to comply with these challenging nutrition and lifestyle interventions. And I think the reason behind that is the unbelievable fear of Alzheimer's, which for, for a variety of reasons, people tend to be especially fearful of because the thought is we lose our mind. We lose all of our memories, all of, we lose our own story, which is just, it's a devastating thought. And for somebody who's watched a loved one um, suffer from this disease and have no options, the idea that now there is an option, a very promising option that we have control over because we have control over our nutrition and lifestyle for the most part is just inspiring for so many and worth, worth all of the challenge of trying to change our diet and trying to change our lifestyle. That certainly doesn't mean it's easy by any means. And in our work with clients at the Amos Institute, we're constantly trying to help people overcome the many barriers to, to really revamping one's lifestyle in this way. But it just seems that for so many clients, it's worth it. It's worth every single challenge because they don't want to go down this same path. They don't want to. They, they don't want their children to experience what they have often gone through with their own parent. Well, and and I can say from any other chronic disease mm-hmm. coming from a from a different angle. Whoever's listening right now, I have found in the work that I've done that healthy lifestyle changes that eating changing your diet, more, you know, more nutrition, nutrient dense food, not only can it help with prevention, not only do you actually feel better in your own skin, but it also helped me as I'm sitting here dealing with stage four disease, it's helped me feel like I have a little bit of control. And I know Mm -hmm. that, that, that cancer may be a lot more controlling that I want it to, to believe, but it has made me feel like I have a say in what's going on. And so I would suspect that that could be the same with somebody who's, whether they're going through it or a family member is going through Alzheimer's. Absolutely. It gives you a little bit of the power back. 
And that, and that is, we'll say empowering because yeah. there's a lot of doom and there's a lot of darkness in some of, um, in dealing with disease, but there is, there is a light and there is hope. And what the Amos Institute is doing is providing hope for so many people. Can you share with us a little bit about the Amos Institute? Because we've mentioned it a few times and I want people to know that it does exist and what is out there for them. Absolutely. So um, the Amos Institute, we have a singular focus, and that is Alzheimer's disease and cognitive decline. Um, We provide education and services to help people implement a personalized nutrition regimen and lifestyle practice that optimizes their cognition and reverses the pathology of Alzheimer's disease. And we do that through our cognitive health program. And I'm really pleased to say that our cognitive health program is the most affordable and comprehensive program in existence for optimizing brain health and preventing Alzheimer's. We've worked really hard to make it accessible for the average person because as you know, once you're once you're battling a chronic disease, yeah. it gets so expensive. Yeah, it does. And it's and it but it shouldn't that shouldn't be the barrier. That shouldn't stop people from seeking help. And so we feel really passionately about that, that anyone who wants to utilize our service should be able to. So we've tried our absolute hardest to make this extremely affordable. You get our program, once you sign up for it, you're a member for life. And we say even if you were to just use it for one year, even though you have access for life, it would be a dollar a day. So $365 for our program. And uh, our hope is that every, just, you know, most, the vast majority of people would be able to um, afford a dollar a day for their brain health. Um, so that's our cognitive health program. It consists of video lessons, resources, um, meal plans, um, and access to all of our individualized services. And we have all of that information up on our website on amosinstitute.com. We also have on our website a lot of free resources for somebody who just maybe wants a bit more information about what they can do. They want to just kind of dip their toes in and see if this is something for them. Um, We have a very robust blog that includes lots of recipes, nutrition articles, yeah, yeah, lifestyle articles, um, lots of information for somebody who just, you know, maybe wants to learn a little bit more, wants to start with just a few things before they really um, take the full deep dive and go all out with this. All right. So you've got so many recipes. You clearly are a dietitian. I want to talk about nutrition. Can you share us, share with us a few tips or your thoughts about if you're going to make some changes, where do you start for brain health? Absolutely. So the first thing I will say for anyone listening, who's thinking, you know, yes, well, I want, I want to have great brain health, but I also want to make sure, you know, I either, I prevent cancer or that other chronic diseases that I don't get diabetes or these other things. The great news is that the nutrition plan that we set, that we've set up this, we call it the keto flex nutrition plan. That's what um, is used to uh, optimize brain health. It will also help you promote health span and longevity. So my master's degree, I got a master of science in nutrition, health span, and longevity, because that health span is such an important word. First of all, yes, we want to live a long life, but we want to live a long, healthy life. And we want our health span to be 
about as long as our lifespan. And we have such, um, we have such an issue with that, certainly in the United States where we have, you know, sometimes a decade plus of years of disease, illness, um, and um, the inability to, to live our normal lifestyle towards the end of our life. So following this nutrition plan helps with all of that, uh, which is, I, I think, you know, good news for anyone who's just also looking to prevent disease overall. Yeah. And I would say the basic uh, components of this diet, and the reason I kind of prefaced with that is because you won't, you won't be surprised by any of these things. Um, we focus on a whole food diet meaning we've really reduced and taken out processed foods, packaged foods, um, things of that nature. So we're really trying to get back to um, a more natural food diet. We encourage 10 servings, um, 10 plus servings of vegetables per day, primarily non-starchy vegetables like leafy greens, um, colorful vegetables, and sulfur-rich vegetables like cruciferous vegetables, the allium family like onions and garlic, and um, the mushroom family, which have been very well studied in terms of uh, helping with um, optimizing brain health. The diet is very rich in healthy fats, so specifically um, monounsaturated fats and um, plant-based, good plant-based fats like um, avocado, nuts, seeds, of course, like the omega-3 fatty acids from fatty, low mercury fish, um, all of those good healthy fats, which help promote mild or nutritional ketosis, which is the ability of the body to run off of our fat stores rather than just off of carbohydrate sources. We also include some low glycemic fruits like berries and lean proteins. So mostly these, this, uh, the fatty fish I just mentioned, but also plant, um, plant-based proteins and uh, just occasionally small amounts of animal proteins like pasteurized eggs and things like that. I love it. So, and and yeah. like you said, it's I got a plant-based nutrition certification probably within six months after my stage four diagnosis, because so much of what I was reading was about eating plant-based and yep. I wanted to dig deep. I wanted to read more. And it's almost like, it, like it's not trending because this is just the information out there that is supported by science is yes. whole foods. And I will tell you when I stopped eating packaged foods, it's amazing how so much of what we eat in the standard American diet is packaged and it's because we're busy and it's convenient yeah. and there are ways. And so I say this very passionately, as you can hear everybody listening out there is that, yes, I understand it can be hard, but it doesn't have to be. You just have to spend a little bit of time and, and be committed to it. I have found things now that I love in a different way than what I loved before having carrots and hummus to me is like my favorite thing. Although my best friend's like, ah, it's not my thing. It's not my thing, but that is my thing. And that's something that when I am craving a snack and I want something a little salty, that's my go-to. When I want something sweet, I will do like a natural almond butter and sometimes put it in a medjool date. Yeah, that is a little mm -hmm. higher in sugar. That's not one of your like low sugar fruits, but that's my dessert. Right. That's yeah. when I want something sweet. And that's a whole lot better than what I used to do years ago, which would have been like the hostess snowballs and the, um, oh my gosh, you know, like, yes. like disgustingly gross packaged sugar. Yeah. So 
it, Gosh. you know, and for those out there, sometimes they need to take a small step approach and other people I think can go cold Turkey and just feel really committed that you just have to know what would work for yourself. But Absolutely. I, I love hearing this because it just, it's a constant reminder to all of us that, you know, there are ailments out there. There are things that happen to our body, whether it's aging or mm-hmm. whether it's just, we stumble upon a little bit of, you know, call it, I guess, bad luck whatever it might be, insert whatever word you want to put there, but that there are ways that we can take a little bit of control and hopefully have a slightly better outcome and a better quality of life. Absolutely. And see huge improvements, even from making really small changes. I always think if there's just one thing someone wanted to do, like if they're not ready to just do a huge overhaul, they don't know, you know, what the exact right diet is for them personally. If there's one thing you were going to do, just eat more vegetables. That in itself is going to do wonders for your health. Okay. I just to increase the vegetables. I love it. Love it. Love it. Because I'll tell you, uh, Dr. Bach, who is, um, inflam- he's a doctor, he's an author. He's been doing integrative work for 35 years literally said the same thing you did. He said, eat more veggies, veggies, veggies. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that is when I've gone out and done speaking engagements at corporations or just doing stuff on, I I do a lot of media. That's what I'll talk about is that sometimes it doesn't have to be as hard as we think. Just start by adding more vegetables to your life. Which is, I think, so much easier to to kind of digest for lack of a better word here um, for, for the average person than taking out yes. like rather than, rather than focusing on all the things you can't have, just let all that go for a second and just add in lots of vegetables. I mean that, so it's not asking for a massive overhaul. You're just increasing your intake of vegetables, which is a great place to start. And and again, you, you'll see, you would see huge improvements that you would feel and that would be happening metabolically that you may or may not be aware of just from that intervention alone. Well, I am so grateful for you spending the time to share. And we've only really just like scratched the surface on all Mm -hmm. that you're so wise and you've obviously done so much heartfelt work to help other people so they don't have to go through what your family went through or at least make their journey a bit easier. So I thank you for being here on the podcast. I will definitely include links to amosinstitute.com in the show notes. I will add some social media there as well. Are there any books that you want to throw out there? I can add some links in the show notes as well that you think people um, may want to read. Sure. Um, my favorite first book, let's say for your listener who is, has no experience with, you know, um, studying nutrition or, um, really is a novice when it comes to all of this, the best book you can read is food rules by Michael Pollan, which is, you can read it in one sitting. It's just little food rules, literally, um, one sentence rules that are incredibly practical and, uh, and very helpful too. So that's where I would get started um, for somebody who's who's really new at this, but interesting and in kind of improving their overall nutrition. So it's not about Alzheimer's or any any chronic disease. This is just things that we should all do to eat better, which I highly recommend. He's also he's a journalist and just an incredible yes. writer. I I, I um, like him as well. 
Yeah, he's so great. Um, so I would start there and to learn more about uh, the the functional approach to preventing and reversing Alzheimer's, the um, incredible doctor and neurologist and researcher who I've worked with for many years is Dale Bredesen. And he's now written two books on the subject. Uh, his first book, which is called The End of Alzheimer's, is probably the book that I would get started with because it, it really highlights all of the science behind this. Um, so that would be an especially helpful book for somebody who is listening and thinking, gosh, I think it maybe sounds too good to be true. Yeah, is it right, real right. that there's actually, you know, real science and research behind this? I would read that book. And then his second book, which is called The End of Alzheimer's Program, is um, more, more practical for actually implementing some of these things, which is um, another great read. So those would be kind of the three book recommendations I would go with. All right. Thank you. That is amazing. I get so many questions from followers on Pretty Wellness or just people who've got wind of the podcast that will ask. They love these episodes and they want to talk further with you guys. And yeah. a lot of times having these book suggestions are help because it gives, uh, gives people a next step in addition yeah. to obviously checking you out as well. So, um, as you know, because we talked about it earlier and for those of you listeners who have followed me and continue to follow, thank you. Thank you. I close out each episode by playing the grateful game. So if you're new to me, this is a practice that I started a few years ago when my son was nine, he's now 12. And it was just in an effort to kind of find a calming way for us to chat a few minutes before he went to bed. And it has turned into an amazing practice that truly has helped both my child and, and I connect and find good in the day. Now, I will mm -hmm. say that, you know, when I'm dealing with stage four cancer, is it going to change my diagnosis? You know, I... No, I don't think so. But it is a tool. Having a gratitude practice, having a mindful practice, doing something consistently can help change your energy, can help change your mood, can help us all heal. And so I am I'm really excited that Kyle and I came up with this. And it's been a great way uh, for us to end end off the podcast episode. So I will start and you um, you're willing to play with me, right? Of course. This awesome. is great. Awesome. Awesome. So <laughs> I will kick it off by saying, all right, I'm going to give us both a minute what I'm grateful for and why today, or we'll say in the last 24 hours. So you have got me thinking when you're talking about your Nana, you've got me thinking about my grandparents. I am very grateful that, uh, my grandparents were in my life, all four of them, for 26 years. And so I'm really lucky. And so yesterday, we're talking about 24 hours. I was able to see my aunt for the first time in a year and a half because of COVID. And as somebody with a compromised immunity, hey, listen, we're all coming from different places with this. And so whether you had family near, far, you know, we're all taking things differently. It, the last few months, trying to figure out how to kind of jump back into society has been, has been a little bit hard on us here. And so to be, for me, to go into New York, to see my aunt, to give her a big hug, it was just the most beautiful. I cried. I mean, if you know me, you know, I cry a lot anyway, but it was so, and I love my husband's family lives nearby and I'm very close with them. But for me to be with my own aunt 
Jane was pretty amazing. And so I'm so grateful that she, uh, my day was kind of up in the air and she just waited around, um, let her schedule be so that I could come meet her. And so that was amazing, amazing, amazing. And I think my second one I'll say quickly is um, related to that. When you were talking about your nan always wanted to write a story, like a book or a story, I stumbled upon over the holidays, like months ago, this gift called Story Worth. And I was like, oh, this is kind of nice. Basically, you gift it to, I gift it to, to my parents. And so they get an email with a writing prompt each week and they fill it out. And then at the end of the year, in 52 weeks, I will have 52 entries, of course, if they do them, of things that they have written about and they make it into a book. Now, I knew that my parents would love this, but what I didn't realize is the depth of information, like even just little things, family vacations, the first ones that my parents both remember. They were telling me stories about my grandparents that I had no idea about. Wow. And it was, it's called StoryWorth. It is, it was, it's amazing. I look forward to seeing these emails. Now, my sister doesn't get them because I'm the one who signed on the gift. I could forward it to her, but I want to wait. You know, it's going to be a gift to her as well. But it has been so heartwarming. And so for anybody out there that wants, that doesn't know if they have the time and the energy to write a book, but wants their legacy to be shared in different unique ways with their families, StoryWorth, check it out online. And I'll put the link to that. I, I, I've been telling my friends about it and one of them did it as well. And it's, it's amazing. So anyway, I took two minutes there. So I'm going to throw it, to, toss it to you. <laughs> I only had two. Wow. It's really not whether we want to lose, but- it really gives me every time I read an entry, I am so grateful I chose this gift for them. So I'm wow. tossing it to you. What are you okay. grateful for and, 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 and why? Okay. Well, definitely um, my family. I have to start there just um, for so many reasons. But in particular with my work, uh, my family has been so supportive of my work and I couldn't do any of this without them. As I'm sure many, you know, many of your listeners may be, um, women in business, there are challenges to being a, a woman, an entrepreneur, yeah. an entrepreneur and a woman. Um, and I am so fortunate to, you know, cause I'm kind of carrying on this legacy. At least that's in my mind. I like to think of it that way for my Nana and her mother and on behalf of my mom. Um, and you know, it's, it's been incredible to have such a support system between my husband and my parents and um, my brothers. I've just been really fortunate. So I'm so grateful for their unbelievable support. But then my, my number one thing that I would say that I'm so grateful for is my one-year-old daughter. Sienna. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And she just, she inspires me every single day to, do my part to make the world just a little bit better, like a little bit healthier, yeah. a little bit safer, a little bit kinder. She's, she is my reason for always trying to be the best possible version of myself. And in addition to her, um, my, my daughter on the way. So I'm expecting another, <gasps> another little girl. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I think those are my, my two, you know, what my heart, overflows yes. with gratitude for these little girls. Oh, that's so beautiful. So, so, so beautiful. Well, <laughs> thank you again. So I think we tied. Is it kind of two and two? But the truth <laughs> is, is 
I, I only say that because that's what my son does at night because, you know, he's competitive. He's 12. And, <laughs> but for me, I'm like, I, you know, I've always said, like, I don't care. Like, it's, it's just, it's not, you know, I say to him all the time, it's not whether you win or lose. It's how you play the game, Kyle. And he yeah. laughs at me. He's like, but mom, somebody's got to win. So I'm like, no, they don't. No, they don't. So in this case, I, I really don't care about that. I just, I hope you that are listening out there, all the listeners, Take a moment, whether it's right now as I'm sitting and closing this out and think of something that you're grateful for. It can be big, like your health, like your home, like your family. It can be small, like the soup that you're making in your Instant Pot downstairs that you know is going to help nourish your body and it'll make you feel good because i.e. that's what I'm going to go eat after this. (laughs) But I, I appreciate everybody who's made this podcast be successful and it really is about the guests and the listeners it keeps me going and I just want to share that there is hope and that no matter what journey you're going on in life there is a way to find a little bit of joy and so I encourage you all to take a moment and think about what you're grateful for and why And hey, reach out to us on Instagram at Pretty Wellness and and let us know because we'd love to hear. So have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful day, everyone. And again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. And bye for now. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to leave you with a quick thought, but first a request. Please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe or follow. You leaving a review helps us with our podcast ranking. The higher we are ranked, the more people can discover our show. And tell your friends about us too. If you love us, they might as well. And now, my parting words. I hope this episode brought inspiration for you to think about how you can take small steps toward disease prevention. There are so many resources out there, including the Amos Institute for those touched by Alzheimer's. If you're looking for a little help to get you started, check out our resources, including a downloadable smoothies and snacks e-cookbook or healthy grocery lists on prettywellness.com backslash freebies. Thanks again for joining us today. I am sending you lots of happiness and great health. Bye for now. <laughs>